the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or estate law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground for Hey, welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello. Okay, now, for those of you who don't know about this show, it's in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes that we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. So if you have any questions about estate planning, elder law, now's the time to ask the question. Because the second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, nostalgia. And tonight, we got a little bit of politics. And James O'Keefe, the great undercover reporter, is going to be on. And one of my old favorites, as far as nostalgia is concerned, the immortal Rich Little. And he's, some people say, is he still alive? Yes, he's still alive. <laughs> and he's performing in Las Vegas uh, four days a week. But if you have any questions, call in. At one eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two one eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two. If you have any email questions, you can email your questions to askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. Askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. Now, Beth, you have a uh, couple of email questions. I know locked I, up. I do indeed. All right. Um, the first one is from Frank. Does a will offer protection against nursing home bills, and who can serve as an executor if I make a will? Okay. Everybody should have a will. I shouldn't, you know, I should always emphasize that because a lot of people think a will is not necessary anymore. But as, as important as a will is, it's a very limited document. And one of the problems, if you want to transfer your assets through a will, you got to go through probate. If you go through probate, that's a court proceeding where all your relatives next of kin have to be notified, and it's noticed to all your creditors that you have assets in your name alone, those creditors, especially nursing home bills, can then put a lien on your assets to go through probate. So a will by itself virtually is a target for nursing home bills to put in their claims. So no, a will offers no protection whatsoever from nursing home bills. Now, who can be an executor? An executor can be anybody you choose, over 18, not convicted of a crime, uh, U.S. citizen. So it's it's pretty broad. Over 18, not convicted of a crime, U.S. citizen. 90, 95, 98% of the time, the will is going to be a family member. Not always, you know, because sometimes it's not appropriate for a family member because let's say you have a disabled child and you want to take care of that disabled child, or maybe you're leaving everything to charity and the 
your relatives may not have the same feeling toward the charities that you have. So that would be different. But 90, 95% of the time, let's say you have a will. I leave everything to my three kids and three equal shares. Ordinarily, you would choose one of the children or maybe two or maybe all three uh, to be executors. 90, 95% of the time, if you have children, the executors are going to be your children. If you don't have children, that's subject to discussion, maybe trusted nephew or niece. If you're leaving things to charity or relatives overseas or something a little bit different, then you might have a law firm act as your executor. And again, if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to discuss that with us at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Now, for those of you who don't know, we have one question aired every week on the Kevin McCullough Show, so I guess now is a good time to play the Kevin McCullough Question of the Week. Well, just like we promise you, every week here on Kevin McCullough Radio, we get uh, Mike Connors, the esteemed head of Connors & Sullivan Law Firm, uh, in Brooklyn, in the five boroughs, uh, to stop by and to answer a question for you. You've been emailing them at MikeConnors at gmail.com, and Mike rejoins us. Mike, this week's question, Robert in New York says, I've got a life insurance policy. Okay, that's a good thing. He says then, is it true that if my life insurance policy is in a separate trust and three years have elapsed since entering into that trust, then it won't be vulnerable to any medical expenses I incur, like nursing homes or taxes? Mike Connors, what does Robert uh, need to know here? The, the answer to that question is yes and no. If you have your life insurance in a separate irrevocable trust, it is not for more than three years. It's not taxable to your estate. And, of course, in today's world, the federal estate tax is at $11 million. New York State is $5,400,000. So unless Robert has more than $5,400,000, he may not need it for tax purposes. Uh but that's if he does have more than $5 million, well, that's a very good idea to have that separate life insurance policy in a trust. And now, as far as nursing home bills, it takes five years to protect but the same principle. Well, and the truth is, if people have uh, specific questions about their particular circumstances, like they're, they're in two and three-quarters years and they're about to roll over into the third year, but they have other extenuating circumstances, they should really call your law firm and uh, get the most information uh, there. In fact, setting an appointment is always a good idea. 718-238-6500 is where you do that. Connors & Sullivan, of course, the very best in all the legal uh, network of New York in terms of uh, estate law and elder care, and uh, that's just evidenced by the great advice that you get both uh, here at Kevin McCullough Radio every Thursday, but also on Ask the Lawyer, Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on AM 570 The Mission and Saturday evenings at 6 on AM 970 The Answer. Again, that number is 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500 to get one of Connors and Sullivan's best minds on your matter. Mike uh, Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, and again, if you want to listen to Kevin McCullough Monday through Friday on 970 The Answer at 5 o'clock p.m., great show, covers a lot of topics. And, you know, I like listening to Kevin McCullough. I know you do too, Beth. Absolutely. He's he's got an aunt that sounds just like me. He does, huh? (laughs) He's got some relatives in Texas, right? That's where he's originally from. (laughs) Now, one thing I should have added about that insurance policy, when... uh, the question was asked, you know, it protects for medical bills right away. You know, sometimes there's a little confusion on this. You do an irrevocable trust to protect your assets. A lot of times our clients are thinking about nursing home bills, and it takes a full five years to protect assets from nursing home bills. Now, there's an exception to every rule. So if somebody's out there, don't think, well, I'm not going to live five years. Let's talk about it. But in any event, it takes a full five years to protect assets from nursing home bills. 
But regular medical bills not covered by insurance, it can be protected in a month. Like, in other words, if somebody's going undergoing cancer treatment or something like that, and, you know, they're going to have huge chemotherapy bills, they're going to have bills not covered by insurance, you know, things like that. You can put your assets in an irrevocable trust today, we'll say in January, and if need be, if you have those medical bills not covered by insurance, you can apply for community Medicaid and get those bills picked up as of uh, February 1st. So, and, and let's say you're in a lawsuit and you, you put your insurance policy in an irrevocable trust today, that's protected from lawsuits right away. If you put it in an irrevocable trust today for the sake of argument, then, you know, if, if January, uh, February 1st, the first day of the month following transfer, that that asset is protected from all other bills except nursing home bills. It's only nursing home bills that can go back on five years. Regular medical bills not covered by insurance. It's a month-to-month look-back period. Um, if you get in an accident, you put your assets in an irrevocable trust. Before you get in the accident, those assets are protected. And, you know, I think, you know, after the break, Beth, we're going to be talking about one question uh, about driver's license and so forth. But, again, if you have an elderly person who shouldn't be driving, maybe you can't take the keys away from them, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. We put their assets in an irrevocable trust, and we protect those assets from medical bills and also from lawsuits. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to obtain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. And even if they did, such activity is immoral. The end does not justify the means. Adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia, sickle cell disease, anemia, and carcinoma. Embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing. This is Father Frank Lavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Mike Connors, host of Ask the Lawyer and published in New York Magazine's top-rated lawyers. Whether assisting a client with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, nursing home plan, or other matter, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of their clients' rights and interests. Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, has dedicated attorneys that can help you with estate planning, elder law, and probate. They listen to their clients to learn about their families, their financial picture, and their long-term goals to create a comprehensive plan to meet your objectives. They assist with the complex tax matters that are often involved in estate planning and probate. Contact Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, with offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Midtown Manhattan, and Staten Island to schedule a free consultation with an attorney. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, well, welcome back again to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, we're going to be taking questions about estate planning and elder law right now, and we have Ted from Eastport. 
Yes, Ted, what's your question? Hi, thank you for taking my question. Um, yeah. My mother is on Medicaid right now, but for the 10 years prior, and she's in a nursing home right now also, uh, but 10 years prior to that, she was living with my wife and I, and I was always taking her as a dependent on my tax return. And I'm wondering now that she's on Medicaid if I'm allowed to do that. Are you still spending more than half? I, you know, I assume she only has Social Security or whatever coming in. Yes. Okay. But I still have, uh, I mean, we do take her home uh, about five weekends a year and sometimes just for the day. And I still have an extra bedroom that was hers. But I'm probably, you know, depending on uh, what Medicaid pays for the nursing home, I'm sure I'm not paying half of her expenses anymore. Yeah, but I would take it as if you're paying more than her Social Security. In other words, if you're paying more than half her expenses, you would take her uh-huh. as a dependent because, you know, government benefits, I wouldn't consider that an income uh-huh. from her. It's not income. Now, if she were home right. and you were paying more than half the expenses, that's a no-brainer. But at the same point, yeah. let's say she collects $1,000 a month Social Security and you're spending more than $1,000 a month, you know, because it's her income. Medicaid is not income to her. So if you're spending, uh-huh. let's say she has a thousand dollars a month Social Security, and you're spending more than a thousand dollars a month supporting her, I would say yes, you could take uh, her as a dependent, even though she's in a, a nursing home full time right now. Yeah, but Medicaid payments are not income, so her income is a thousand dollars a month. Oh, she's paying a thousand dollars a month toward her. Uh, you know, she's paying a thousand dollars a month. We'll say toward her uh-huh. nursing home bill. But if you're paying more than a thousand dollars a month, you can take her as a dependent. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, so I, I guess I uh, well, okay, is the value of the uh, what I consider the value of the bedroom, like if she was paying rent. If you set it aside, that, I mean, the IRS ordered you, but if you could yeah. say that the the that bedroom was exclusive to your mother, and you used uh-huh. it only for your mother, I would say we win the audit. Now they're going to ask you, uh-huh. well, you, your son didn't stay over there for the weekend, or you know, your aunt Martha didn't stay. over the weekend, mm-hmm. and they might ask questions like that. But if you're saying no, that bedroom mm-hmm. is exclusively or, or at least being exclusively used for my mother, and I set aside and I don't use that bedroom for anybody else, I, you know, okay. I, I don't think we're getting ordered anyway at that low income level. But, uh, right. and how much does the dependency cost, you know, but, uh, you know, the, yeah. the government? Yeah. But, okay. All right. I'd give Thank it a you shot. Very much. Okay. Huh? I'd give it a shot. You never know what's going to happen uh, exactly. But unless you get right. a tough auditor, I think we got it through. And even if we have a tough okay. order, I don't know if it'd be worth appealing for that small amount, but uh-huh. we'll see. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Thanks a lot. For- Take care. All right, Beth, I know you've got a, a little bit of a complicated question there waiting I for do, us. but so many people, I mean, we've had to face it in my family, and I think a lot of people have. So here it is. Mike Connors prepared my mom's trust recently, and we were very happy with the work, the office, everything. So I thought we would come to you with this question. We have to renew my mom's driver's license and was thinking about changing it to a non-driver's ID since she no longer drives. However, the car, which my brother still uses to take her to appointments, is in her name, title, registration, and insurance. My brother is listed as a driver on the insurance policy. He has been for over 20 years. Can my mom be the name on the title, registration, and insurance and not be a licensed driver? Thank you, Helen. 
Okay, well, the answer to that question is a short yes. And here's what some people don't realize, and a lot of people are puzzled when they come in for planning. They have a relative going to a nursing home. You got a relative going to a nursing home. We got some extra cash we want to spend. You know, one of the first things we're going to take a look at, does anybody in the family need a car? Because you can buy a car. It's an exempt resource under Medicaid. So you buy a car for $35,000. One of the family members uses it temporarily. In the long range, you give it away. And you save that $35,000 for nursing home bills. But, yes, a person can own a car without a driver's license. Now, at the same time, you could renew your mother's driver's license as a driver's license or whatever. But the question, I guess, is do you want her to keep driving? And, Beth, I know you have a story about that one. Oh, my goodness. I th- this is this was my Aunt Diet. Um, and this is way out in the country in Louisiana. And she's early 90s. And she's driving on this gravel road heading home. And who knows, 60 miles an hour. And a young Louisiana patrolman pulls her over and asks for her license. And so she gives it to him. And then he says, um, Miss Yet, I'm not going to be able to give. I'm going to have to keep your license. And she says, young man, do you know who my son is? Well, her son had been the governor of Louisiana. <laughs> and this poor patrolman says, yes, ma'am, he's the one that told me to take your license. <laughs> so the son was too scared to take his mother's license. So he, the policeman had to, she just ran all over the place. And, you know, I'm I'm in my mid-60s. I don't drive the way I used to, and I think sometimes we just forget. And maybe I hope if I need to, I hope if somebody will take my driver's license away from me if it needs to be. <laughs> okay, well, you know, so, you know, we just had a discussion in our office the other day with uh, Senator Golden about driverless cars. So maybe that's the solution in the this in, in the long wild. run. I don't know if anybody out there has even considered, you know, having a car with no driver take you. To me, that sounds so scary, but it is. Uh, they exist now. They are people are using them, and they're talking about um, trucks. Well, Mike, you know that if you're in, if there's a driverless car and it's in an accident. Who's liable? Well, obviously, the car is going to have to have insurance on its own. So the the owner of the car is going to be liable, and there's going to be insurance on it all. Now, what? Wh- who else is liable? I guess that's for the state legislature and the courts to decide. But obviously, the owner of the car is going to be liable, and we, you're going to have to have insurance, and maybe the insurance rates are going to go up. But, you know, like uh, I think Newt Gringrich in, in one of his books when he was on a long time ago on this show said that when driverless cars come around, it's going to be a lot safer because the computers may make errors, but it makes less errors than the human driver, and, you know, it's going to be a lot safer. So we have to see. But I, I think Senator Golden said that uh, 25% of the cars in New York State by 2020 will be driverless cars. So it's an interesting, brave new world. In any event, we need to take a short break, and after the break, we're going to talk to one of my favorite entertainers, Rich Little. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. 
So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash F Melia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank. NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now, is Rich Little, and when I was growing up, and my mother, whenever she saw Rich Little's name coming up on the Johnny Carson show, she would always tune in for that, and and, and he was the greatest impressionist of all time, still is, and we're proud to have him back on our show. How are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm still alive. Well, that's good. That's a good first step. (laughs) Yeah, that helps. Now, you're in the Tropicana now? Yeah, I've been there for a couple of years now at the Trop, about four nights a week. I'm performing there. You know, those of us who have a little age, we're going to know who you are. How do the younger audiences react to your to your show? Uh, well, I had a 15-year-old in the show last week, and uh, he was laughing and enjoying the show. And I, I came up to him after, and I said, boy, you, you really uh, enjoyed it. And he said, I really did, but I was puzzled. I said, what were you puzzled about? He said, I, I just wondered why you kept changing your voice. <laughs> well, I guess that's, you know, he... Does he know who you were like when you do Ronald Reagan and you were the greatest Ronald Reagan ever, except maybe for Mr. Reagan himself, President Reagan. But you do the greatest Ronald Reagan ever. Well, (laughs) well, you know, he didn't know anybody I did. But a lot of young people are like that. They, you know, they may like the humor, you know, but they they don't know who I'm imitating. I mean, a lot of young people, they don't they don't even know Reagan. They, They don't know Dean Martin. They don't know Frank Sinatra. Uh, they live in their own world, you know. I was not like that when I was a kid. I, I liked the past. But uh, kids today are, are into their phones and their laptops and, you know, 
and it's uh, it's a it's a whole different world. It really is. All right. Now I understand you had a book out last year. Yeah, I put a book out, and um, what's it about? It's well, it's about three hundred pages, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually uh, funny things that have happened with me and celebrities down through the years. It's not a bio, really. It's called "People I Have Known and Been." Is what the name of the book is, little by little. Can you give us one story out of the book? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I mean, it depends who you want to talk about. I talk about uh, Judy Garland. Uh, I talk about Orson Welles. I talk about Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. I mean, uh, so many of the greats, Jack Benny, George Burns. Um, I, I talk about all these great people that I, I've had the privilege of working with. And and that's, that's – uh, you know, for me, uh, that that was the most enjoyable time of my life was meeting my idols and working with them. And uh, I was very privileged at a young age to uh, be associated with all the people that I grew up idolizing, you know, and uh, that that was a huge thrill for me. You know, I mean, I did 24 Dean Martin roasts and uh, Dean doesn't remember doing any of them, but um, <laughs> but um it was a great time for me. I was so young, you know, and I, I was with all these giants and all of them are gone now. There's hardly anybody left. I think uh, Ruth Bussey is still with us, but uh, that's about it, you know? Yeah. Now, of course, your Jimmy Stewart was also priceless. Can you give us a story about Jimmy Stewart? Well, I, I, Jim, Jim, you know, I, as, as he got older, I, he kind of, uh, you know, slowed down a lot and talked a lot, a lot slower. Um, I remember I said to him, I said, gosh, you, you don't even live in a gated community and, you know, and Beverly Hills. And people must uh, drive by and bother the hell out of you. And he said, yeah, yeah, they do. One one day a truck pulled up and a family got out and they put a blanket down and decided to have lunch on my lawn. And I said to him, well, gee, I mean, what did you do? Did you tell him to get the hell out of there? No, 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 I, I, I couldn't do that. I, well, what did you do? Did you phone the police? No, 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 I, I, I couldn't do that, Rich. I, I, just, I just wandered around the back of the house and turned the sprinklers on. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. He said, it's amazing, how, it's amazing how quickly they packed up and moved out of there. It really was something to see. But Jimmy had a wonderful sense of humor. I remember another time I was walking out of his house, I was visiting him, and a tour bus pulled up, and the uh, guy on the, the driver said, oh, my God, he said, there's Jimmy Stewart and there's Rich Little coming out of his house. What's Rich doing at your house, Jim? And Jim said, Rich comes by twice a month to get his batteries recharged. <laughs> <laughs> he was a wonderful man. He had a great, great sense of humor, Jimmy did. And he always pretended Harvey was with him, you know, the, the white rabbit. Yeah, sure. Six foot. Oh, yeah. If you were polka. getting on an elevator with Jimmy, if you were getting on an elevator with Jimmy, he'd make room for Harvey. And I'm, I'm sure people who didn't know the movie thought, this is kind of strange, you know, there's nobody there. But he he looked upon Harvey as a real person or a, a real animal. You know, that was a great yeah. film. And, and yeah. he was such a great talent that he could do a movie like Harvey and a tough Western like Winchester 73 in the same time period. Yeah, 1950. Yeah. 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 
that that movie Winchester '73 made him a millionaire. You know, that was the the first time any actor got a a piece of the of the profits. You know, and um, but Harvey and Winchester '73 were a were uh, uh, two pictures made for Universal, and um, Lou Wasserman, his agent, got him that deal. And that, of course, changed everything. And then from then on, uh, a lot of big stars wanted a piece of the action. But Jimmy Jimmy was the first one to do that. Interesting, isn't it? Yes, very interesting. And, you know, after the war and his wartime experiences and everything, that it's more than interesting. Now, when did you first meet Ronald Reagan? Well... I, I met uh, Ronald Reagan, um, let's see, uh, probably when I did the first inauguration gala, first time he was president, 1981, and I was on the show. And uh, I think that was the first time I ever met him. And um, I can remember I did uh, seven presidents on that show, and uh, the one he liked the best was Gerald Ford, <laughs> as I kept falling down. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know if I, I could even re- remember Gerald Ford's voice. Can you do Gerald Ford for us? Uh, Gerald Ford had a very monotone kind of voice and talked a little like this. Uh, not very exciting. Um, you know, he um, sort of had a monotone. and um, But he was a very nice man, you know. Uh, he, um, I got along really well with him. He... Um, he got a kick out of my impression. Of course, uh, I, I didn't do much falling down in front of him because, you know, he was identified with that. But that, that was kind of unfair in a way. I mean, we all slip and fall occasionally. So, but the, you know, they have every every time you do a president, you have to you have to do something, uh, you know, that they're associated with. You know, and with Reagan, it was kind of the memory and. Uh, with Jimmy Carter, it was peanuts, and uh, <laughs> you know, it 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 uh, they're all different. You know, uh, all the presidents are different, totally different. There's no two presidents alike at all. We go from one extreme to the other, don't we? Yes. Now, your Richard Nixon yeah. was great too. I mean, anybody who heard you that you know remembers it. Well, the first time I did Nixon in front of him, uh, he didn't know who the hell I was doing. And he turned to Pat, his wife, and right in the middle of my uh, my routine, he said, uh, why is this young man speaking in a strange voice? <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he didn't know I was imitating him. Strange, wasn't it? Yeah, very strange, he, yeah. Yeah, well, but Nixon didn't have much of a sense of humor, you know. Uh, he was pretty stiff, you know. He he wore the same blue suit for over twenty years, and he never took the hanger out of it, you know. <laughs> he, he was a um, he had a strange. He was kind of strange, you know. He, he you never knew whether he was uh, tuned in on what you were doing or not. But I can remember that I was invited to a garden party in San Clemente, and all of Hollywood was there. It was interesting. This was in the '60s, and all of Hollywood back in the '60s they were all Republicans back then. You know, and it's interesting how the whole thing, you know, changed. Uh, but by I went down to this garden party and I met my act. My whole act was there and I'd never met my act before. And Debbie Reynolds pulled me around the swimming pool, threw me at the president and said, Mr. President, Rich is going to do you. And he thought I was going to shoot him or something. And <laughs> he looked kind of startled. 
and then I did went into my impression of his of him and he didn't know who I was doing. It was really quite embarrassing. I remember Glenn Ford came up to me after and he said, I hope you've got your car uh, facing Canada so you can get back to Canada, you know. It was not one of my finer, mo- finer moments. Glenn Ford was from Canada also, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Quebec. Yeah. He was born in Canada. I think that's another great actor who maybe some people have forgotten. Well, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Ford, you know, had that, that kind of, you know, very soft kind of voice, uh, a little this, you know. I can remember he came on my television show, and um, he he was so nervous, uh, which surprised me. But then I realized he's a movie star. He's not used to working in front of an audience. And I remember when he did my TV show, he wanted to know how far the audience was from the stage. And I don't know why he wanted to know that. And then I and and so he actually measured it. He got a he got a ruler and measured how far the audience was from the stage and that was very important to him i could never figure that out but um but he was a very nice man he was glenn 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 ford you know but that he kind of kind of soft voice that he had he was great he was great loved him great actor but reagan 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 was my favorite you know uh, i remember one time reagan said to me he said he said you know rich you do me better than I do. I said, really? He said, yes. As a matter of fact, it's so good. I was thinking when I pass away, they should bury you. <laughs> I remember when he said that. I thought that was really funny. That's why I didn't go to the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a good sense of humor, and he, you know, he always showed that in his public displays. He loved, he loved humor. He was always telling me jokes. You know, and one time he did an impression. He did a couple of impressions for me, Reagan, one time. He did Jimmy Stewart, Sean Wayne, and Truman Capote. And I couldn't believe the president of the United States was doing Truman Capote for me uh, in the Lincoln Room at the White House. And um, I'll never forget that. It was so funny. People around didn't know what the hell he was doing. But uh, And then I gave him a joke, actually, I, I remember. Um I said to him, uh, I said, you do a pretty good Truman Capote, but you need a joke or something. He said, you're right, Rich. I I don't know what to say is Truman. So I gave him a joke, and I remember what I gave him, and he wrote it down. He got a Secret Service man, and he wrote this down on his back, and the joke went like this. You know, a lot of people think that I wrote in cold blood, but that's not true. Actually, I wrote in ink. (laughs) <laughs> and Reagan just loved that, and he wrote that down on the back of the Secret Service and put it in his pocket. You know what he said to me? I can't wait to try that out on Gorbachev. <laughs> Could you imagine? I thought about that later. Could you imagine Reagan doing Truman Capote for Gorbachev? Good Lord. Well, will Gorbachev <laughs> understand it? But that, that's another question. <laughs> well, you know talk about not being mentally coherent you know <laughs> he probably thought well, i wonder if he did that i i don't know whether he did or not but it was just so funny when he said that it was i thought about that after i'd love to have been a fly on the wall with that that would have been interesting gorbachev would have said you know 
whatever, you know. <laughs> but I, I did like Reagan. I, I got along really well with him and um, and went to the White House many, many times and performed and got to know the Reagans, got to know Nancy. And uh, I remember one time I played Santa Claus at the White House. They dressed me up as Santa Claus. And every year they had a different celebrity play Santa Claus. They put the padding on and, and the beard and everything. And uh, I remember I sat down with a bunch of kids and, and Nancy came along and said, oh, who's playing Santa Claus this year? She took my beard and she pulled it down and went, Rich, it's you. And then she let it go and damn near took my nose off. <laughs> the pain was unbelievable. Oh, I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I had to go outside to go, oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. But uh, but I, I got along well well with Nancy. I, I um, oh I got along well with most of the presidents that I imitated. You know, the, um, George Bush Senior was great. He had a marvelous sense of humor, and so did uh, so did Junior. Um, you know, they they had great sense of humor. The only one that didn't was was Nixon uh, for some reason. But uh, mo- most of the pre- presidents have a good sense of humor. I never met Barack Obama, but I, I don't know whether he had a sense of humor or not. But um, uh, And and uh, I don't know whether um, Donald Trump has much of a sense of humor or not. What do you, I don't know. Well, your guess is I'm as good as mine. I think he would have well, a sense a of humor of, if you did him. Probably. I Actually, I did one time. I didn't do him, but I, I performed... Uh, in front of him one time a couple of years ago and he was very nice to me extremely nice to me and um but i haven't seen him since but um anyway he's he's certainly got his problems doesn't he well every president (laughs) does what about jimmy carter jimmy jimmy carter jimmy carter you know had that kind of kind of a a, you know that soft-spoken kind of voice uh, talk like this you know hot damn uh, um, you know, I, I, I met Jimmy Carter one time, but I, I never performed in front of him. But I did meet him in the hallway at uh, some function, and he said, I wanted to see your show, but I, I have to get back to Plains. I said, oh, are you taking the Plains out of here? No, no, no. I, I live in Plains, Georgia. And uh, that was about it. <laughs> but he was a nice man. He was, he was very soft-spoken and very quiet, Jimmy Carter. But he did, he did have a sense of humor. I did like him, yeah. All right, now, you're at the Tropicana in Las Vegas, so you're on four nights a week? Four nights a week, uh, Sunday to uh, Wednesday. Okay. And I've been there for over two years, and I'm, I'm doing a show based on my career, actually. I'm showing a lot of clips of the real people, and then I do the impression, and then I show a clip of me uh, with, with the person I've impersonated. And uh, it's an interesting show because I've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know of, of, of shows that I did, and I'm I'm showing a lot of my career, and um, it's fun. I, I get a great kick out of it. I'm still healthy, still performing, and um, life's pretty good, really. You know, after four marriages, you'd think I'd be finished, but uh, <laughs> not true. <clears throat> as Johnny Carson. <clears throat> Johnny Carson said, Rich and I have been married four times. We have actually carried eight brides and eight lawyers over the threshold. <laughs> <clears throat> At our last 
our, our last wedding they threw our last wedding they threw minute rice. <laughs> <laughs> I like Johnny. I got along well with Johnny. He was yeah. a strange man though. He wasn't very sociable. Well, you know, teach his own. Name of the book, Little by Little. People I've known and been by Rich Little. Pick it up to regular places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it's in Barnes and Nobles. I know you can get it on Amazon.com, and uh, it's it's available. And uh, as I said, it's just funny things that have happened with me and celebrities down through the years. We look forward good, to that. Good talking. Good, good to talk to you. to you, Mike. Hopefully, we'll see you in I Las Vegas. Con- I thought I thought Mike Connors passed away years ago, but I guess I'm mistaken, huh? No, well. I, he was on our show, too, and uh, his real name was Krecker O'Hanion, where my real name is Mike Connors. Krecker O'Hanion? Are yeah. you kidding me? No. He was really? Armenian. Oh, my gosh. What a name that is. Yeah. Well, that's why he turned to Mike Connors. God, you know what Robert Taylor's real name was, huh? No, I don't. I never met Robert Taylor. Spangler Arlington Brew. Oh. <laughs> I guess Robert Taylor's better yeah. on the title over above the movie. Yeah, but so you actually interviewed Mike Connors on yeah. the show, huh? Yeah, very nice man. He was a very nice man. I, I did Mannix. I, he, he, he was a very nice man and uh, a, a great uh, storyteller. Yeah, you must have got some great stories from him. Yeah, did film he did with John Wayne. He talked about his career, Mannix, how he got to part, and, of course, his relatives escaping from Armenia back in, in World War One. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for calling, Mike. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to an old-timer like me. But a pleasure. Uh, I'm still kicking and still alive and still performing. Okay, hope we'll see you perform this next year. Okay, thank you. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. 
With me right now in Connors Corner is a man who has been much aligned for digging deep to find the shenanigans amongst politically favored groups who have been shielded from accountability for as long as several decades. He and his organization, Project Veritas, exposed ACARN's voter fraud practices, unethical practices at Planned Parenthood, and some blatant mainstream media bias. He discusses his investigative book, American Pravda, My Fight for Truth in the Era of Fake News. Welcome to the show, James O'Keefe. Thank you for having me on. American Pravda, what's going on? So we've done a story uh, exposing abuses of uh, Twitter, and we've shown that they can shadow ban people. They can actually mute things off of people's timelines. They can actually make it so that you think you're tweeting out to your followers, but in fact that you are not, that your followers and your friends are not seeing the things that you are saying. Uh, Twitter has responded by saying that the people that we've reported on are just isolated people. So today we have another video out showing them sharing your private personal information and, and looking at naked pictures of things that you send your girlfriend. I don't, I don't do that, but some people do. So this is just another investigation exposing the most powerful people in the world and big technology firms abusing their trust and abusing their power. And uh, you know the mainstream media hasn't talked about it yet, but I think they will because I think it's one of the greatest censorship stories of our time. Now, of course, we, we know why the mainstream media doesn't talk about it, but what's your goal? What's your purpose? My purpose is to do investigative reporting and to do the things that journalists used to do. There's a book that we have coming out tomorrow called American Pravda. The book is called Pravda, and the video series is called American Pravda. And in this book, we talk about the history of journalism, the fact that journalists used to do this stuff. Optic Sinclair, Mike Wallace, uh, journalists with the Chicago Sun-Times, they used to kind of go in and expose waste and fraud and abuse. And these days, it seems like the people in power protect the individuals instead of investigating them. And the people that they investigate are the people themselves. They investigate us. They, they, they resent us. They resent a free people being informed. So this story is about the ability to circumvent the mainstream media. We have gotten results. We eventually do, and CNN will, cover this story. But it's a fight. It's a struggle. It's a story of triumph. Because we care about justice. We care about informing people. And there's a conflict of visions in this country about from people who don't want to inform people and people who do. And that's what this book, American Pravda, is about. Now, some people may know you from the past, your expose of ACORN, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, we've done a lot of stories. I mean, crossing the border is the Rio Grande River. We've underwent undercover inside of Planned Parenthood. We've gone undercover inside of ACORN. President Obama defunded ACORN. We're probably one of the only journalists in the 21st century who got both houses of Congress to congressionally defund an entire organization because of our investigative reporting. I mean, that doesn't even happen in the Republican side of Congress. So what we do is we outrage people by showing them the truth. We've done 100 undercover investigations, each one bigger than the past. President Trump mentioned our videos in the debates. Major media corporations were afraid of showing the undercover tapes of Hillary Clinton staffers breaking the law because they were afraid of the FTP taking away their broadcast licenses. And it's this, this book is really a, a, an action-adventure story about what we do and what it takes, the, the, the metal, the courage that it takes to, to speak truth to power. And it's, it's not an easy thing. Now, I know about your courage because tell the audience about some of the things people have tried to do to you because you're just trying to report the truth. Well, it's not just me. I mean, I, the, the proceeds of this book will go to the, our nonprofit pay our journalist salaries. I, I, I go undercover sometimes, but we've got some 50 people now who are full-time. And what they do is they go out in the field and they, they, they pretend to be something they are not, and they get inside. They embed themselves inside of these campaigns. They embed themselves inside of 
Twitter, the corporation in Silicon Valley. They embed themselves, and they come after us. They've, I've been to jail. I've been sued. I've had criminal grand jury subpoenas lobbed against me. I've broken no laws. I've uh, embarrassed governors and attorneys general after they vetoed voter ID laws, and I've showed that the voter fraud is a thing. And we actually take on status narratives, and we show them to be fraudulent and false. And after all these things, we were paid not with journalism awards, but with defamation and crickets from the mainstream media, which doesn't appreciate anything that we do. So what's the solution? I know you're doing your job, and I know you, you, you've done a great job exposing Planned Parenthood, ACORN, and I, I can't even list them all. But what's your goal with American Pravda? Well, our goal is to inform a people. Our, our goal is to do the you know, it's amazing that journalists, you know, they're so shocked and amazed by what we're doing, like it's a thing, like it's some type of strange alien thing. This is what they should be doing. I mean, I, well, what's the job of an investigative reporter? Uh, classically, investigative reporters are supposed to tell the truth and shame the devil. We're supposed to empower people. We're supposed to, you know, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. That's what journalists are supposed to do. It's not, they, you know, they, they don't do that anymore. They, it's become perverse. It's become twisted, a propaganda mechanism to protect interests and malign anyone who, who wants to change the status quo. So they've lost the election. They, they put all their cards on the table. They put all their poker chips down for Hillary, and they've lost. And now they're doubling down with mania and racial hysteria and um, – what I'm going to do is create an army of guerrillas. We're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people doing this. We're going to have thousands of people doing this until the media becomes completely irrelevant. Does anybody from the mainstream media, do you ever confront them and say, why didn't you work on this article? Why didn't you do this? Does anybody ever have a response for you? As I speak to you right here, right now, our story is the masthead of the Drudge Report. It is the most viral video on, on the Internet. Everyone is talking about it. I'm tweeting at the editor-in-chief of BuzzFeed. I'm tweeting at Jake Tapper. I'm saying, why the hell aren't you covering this story? You should be ashamed of yourself for not covering this story. But BuzzFeed doesn't cover a story about a Twitter engineer bragging about it. You can share your personal pornographic – I don't do this, but some people I suppose do – images of yourself with your ex-wife and your girlfriend. I mean what type of sick, twisted stuff? I mean if they won't cover that story, what will they cover? So, yeah, I'm constantly in a fight, uh, constantly fighting with these people to show them for who they are. And, and that's why they're threatened by me, because they don't want to acknowledge or even humanize this activity. They think that I'm a non-journalist. And my point is you can call me names all day long. We're still actually doing journalism because journalism is an activity, not an identity. Okay, one last point. Where, where can the public find out more about your publications, your work, your YouTube videos? We want you to go to American Pravda Book. That's American Pravda, P-R-A-V-D-A, book.com, and order the book. That's the best way to support us. Order the book. It's a great read. You won't regret it. And um, learn about this uh, quest, this incredible justice quest, truth for power that we're engaged in. James O'Keefe, thank you for what you're doing to keep up the freedom of the press. Thank you. Okay. Well, Beth, now— did you read about the story about Twitter? Because I didn't. I hear. Um, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to hear what he's talking about because I've heard other things that um, are much simpler. I know that if if they're tweeter, tweet engineers, whatever they're called, if they don't like what you say, they can just shut down your your Twitter account. Period. 
and I know that's happened to a lot of people, this picking and choosing. I didn't know they could shadow things so that you think you're saying something and people don't see it. Um, you know, it's it's not just Twitter. It's Twitter. It's it's um, Facebook does it. Um, all of these social media things. If if they don't like your um, political views, um, you know, they can just say your account's no good, or they can censor things that they don't like that's on your account. And so often, you know, it's it's just the way it's just the way what someone thinks. There's nothing, you know, they're not naked people there. They're not, you know, it's not anything that's pornographic or it's not anything that's rude. It's just someone's opinion. I know um I know it's frustrating a lot. I think I think um uh if I remember, this was a few years ago, but we had some friends that were right-to-life people, and they had put a video up about, um, you know, the the beauty of the unborn child, and that I was... I think Mr. Kincaid is telling us to wrap oh, no. the show up. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Enjoyed Rich Little. Uh, you know, we got to have him on again soon. Very good. Bye-bye, okay. everybody. to sing this Mike Connors, host of Ask the Lawyer and published in New York Magazine's top-rated lawyers. Whether assisting a client with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, nursing home plan, or other matter, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of their clients' rights and interests. Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, has dedicated attorneys that can help you with estate planning, elder law, and probate. They listen to their clients to learn about their families, their financial picture, and their long-term goals to create a comprehensive plan to meet your objectives. They assist with the complex tax matters that are often involved in estate planning and probate. Contact Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, with offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Midtown Manhattan, and Staten Island to schedule a free consultation with an attorney. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. This hour sponsored by Connors & Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.